This episode of Teeming with Microbes is brought to you by Number Two Organics, made in partnership with Malibu Compost, Bigfoot Microbes, and Down to Earth All Natural Fertilizers. Welcome, everyone, to the Teeming with Microbes podcast, our weekly deep dive into the rich and fertile world of the soil food web and organic gardening. We're breaking down all the science and handing out expert gardening advice while busting those long-held myths about how to help your garden grow. With the man who literally wrote the books on teeming with everything important in your soil, the Lord of the Roots himself, Jeff Lowenfels, and me, Jonathan White, the caffeinated gardener. From flowers to lawns to vegetables, heck, even your mind. Let's grow it all. Well, we took a, a rare week off. Mm-hmm. Much deserved, but a rare week off. And, and not because we wanted to, because I was involved in a multi-day, 37-hour uh, trip back to Alaska with my family, caught up in this, you know, this Alaska Airlines delays. Yeah. It was just yeah. brutal. Um, but, you know, I, I know we both got away a little bit for the New Year's and now we're yes. back and we're just raring to go and ready to plant and ready to garden and ready to get our soil ready. And, oh, yeah. yeah. And then we look outside and it's 10 degrees and everything's frozen. This is this is a pretty cold day, but it's beautiful outside. Uh, it does point out uh, that a lot of trees up here were damaged. <laughs> we're going to have a lot of work to do uh, come springtime with those trees and and. and Bushes, but it's gorgeous out. We have what's known as hoar frost, H O A R, and the crystals. Oh my gosh! And right now, where I'm sitting, they're 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 like diamonds, light breaking off them, and it's really so. It's it beautiful, is, but yeah, it's it cold. Is the, it is the one solace of being, um, you know, living in a place like this. That when it is pretty in the winter and in January, you know, we're starting to gain daylight. We're actually oh. gaining. We're, we're, we're going headlong into longer days now. Fine. I think we get two hours, by the way, two hours during the month of January. Game. Fantastic. That is. Fantastic. So I have a question for you. Well, a question. I'll, I'll just pose the hypothesis. Okay. You know, it's interesting when you go to different parts of the planet. You travel all over the world for the soil food web and your books and you speak to gardeners and you're just, mm-hmm. you're the man. The Lord of the Roots, folks, if you don't know, is the man. <laughs> then you get a little old me who, uh, you know, we went down to Mexico and and hadn't been there in a little while. And it's so different. You know, it, you go to a place where, you know, we talk a lot about uh, bacterial dominated soil and, and fungal dominated soil. Mm-hmm. And we know because we've read your books and we talk about that. Uh, we've talked about, you know, the closer you get to the ocean you know, you get more bacteria bacteria in the soil. Maybe you get inland where there's more decay and you get more fungal. But when you look at the types of things that grow uh, in the desert, cacti, certain types of trees, it really kind of brings home and you can kind of see the living result of how important the soil food web is to specific types of plants, right? Because in the desert, there's no return. There's nothing, very few things are dying and dropping their leaves and creating that sort of decay. The soil, the desert soil is really sort of benign, right? There's not much in there. Well, that's not necessarily true. There's a crust on top of it. Uh, and and uh, there's a lot more nutrients in those desert soils than you can possibly possibly uh, uh, imagine. But what I always find interesting when I travel to a place like Mexico, which is much closer to the equator than where we are, you look outside in, in a place like Anchorage. 
and this would apply to any place in a very northern, you know, this would be Denmark and Sweden and all around the and down south in the in the similar southern kind of climes. The poles, basically, mm-hmm. we've got about three types and three, maybe four types of trees. <laughs> when you look outside my window, you see birch, spruce. That's it. Wait a minute. Right. Birch, spruce. What else do we see? Alder. Okay, so we only, but if you looked outside your window at your wonderful resort in in Mexico, right, you had a jungle's worth of, of trees. I always get so confused when I travel closer to the equator because there's so many different kinds of trees. I don't know the names of them all. And so you have to get a tree book or, right. or do something in order. And well, and even so, more, even more to the point, right? These resorts bring in types of do. flowers and and plants and trees that are not indigenous to that area not specific to that area but will thrive there because of the climate yeah. and because they can k- take care of them in their in their potted the bougainvillea in the part of mexico we were in both Ooh. it's just insane we went to yeah. one part of san jose where there must have been bougainvillea uh, trees that were three stories high that must be 50 years old Whew. that have just been cared for for generations and generations but those are very specific because people are likely taking care of those and yeah giving yeah. them water and giving them nutrients they may be native from 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 that particular area but it is an interesting phenomena and when i was writing teeming with fungi which was the second book i wrote but it really should be the third book you read because teeming with bacteria should be the second book you you read after teeming with microbes um what what I did, what I found was that that the the change in the in the diversity of trees anyway, and probably bushes as well, occurs probably because of the type of mycorrhizal fungi in the soils in those areas, which I found to be completely uh, phenomenal. I didn't really believe it. But I sent you a, a, an article that somebody somebody did some great research on, and they confirmed what I was seeing as I was writing Teeming with Fungi. And to some, what they found was that at the poles or, or in the areas where people grow stuff up towards the poles, you have a type of fungi called aberuscule. Uh, they, these are the endomycorrhizal fungi. And they form these little tree-like structures inside, in between the root cells. And then they go out and they get the, the nutrients. And that's, you know, that's, that's, that's the way the trees here in Anchorage basically do. Uh, ours are probably uh, endomycorrhizal trees. Now, you've got the ectomycorrhizal. And so you have dominance of that around the pole areas where people live and people garden and trees exist at, at the, at the equator and moving out from the equator where it's really warm, you end up with a different kind of mycorrhizal fungi. These would be the ectomycorrhizal fungi. Now, ectomycorrhizal fungi were the first ones that were discovered by uh, uh, Dr. Frank back in 18, I think it was 1885. He, he, he was ordered by, by Bismarck. I don't know if you've ever heard this story, but he was ordered by Bismarck to find truffles because <laughs> Bismarck was 
a very proud German, and he did not want French truffles. And the French were the ones that had the truffles. And so they got this botanist, because they thought fungi were plants back then, named Dr., uh, I think it was Albert Frank or Bernard Frank. And he went out and he looked around to find truffles for the Kaiser. And uh, lo and behold, he couldn't. He failed. But he kept finding these tree roots that were coated with this fungal mass and he drew pictures that we now have we now have photos of and the pictures are exactly like the photos of these sheaths these fungal sheaths that formed around the roots so unlike the aberuscal the uh i i always say aberuscal uh fungi the endo these particular fungi are, are sort of like a, a shower cap around the outside of the root and they don't really penetrate into the root in, in the same way. So that you've got a protective covering. It turns out that this protective covering uh, impacts the pathogens that fungi tend to take out. And there are specific pathogens for specific trees. And, and uh, uh, you end up with these pathogens being unable to really get into the trees in the equator because they're covered. So they're much more difficult to get into. Uh, and, and the result of the two different fungi is that you get more juveniles growing around the tropical plants because of the ectomycorrhizal fungi. And so, so you, you can tell when you're looking at these plants that they're ectomycorrhizal fungi because of the diversity that's around them. And it's, it's really kind of an interesting thing and, and something that, that determines what your natural plants are going to be. And as climate changes, we're going to end up with, maybe not here as far north as Alaska, but, but as you move away from the equator, we're going to end up with tr different kinds of trees, more diversity of trees right. than exists now. And the, really, the idea is there's this distinct gradient. Yeah. Right. There's a distinct gradient in right. the diversity. You sent this to me while I was in Mexico, which got me really looking around at where I was, <laughs> right? We're, we're in a part of Mexico that's near the water, but all the mountains and all the, the native plants that are around there got me thinking like, how have these, you know, gotten where they are, right? How, yeah. And, and what, what is it in the soil that's so special to this subset or this, this specific kind of things that are growing here? And if you think of that and multiply it across the whole globe, starting at the equator <laughs> and moving north and south, that's fascinating. Yeah, and who would have thought that the idea that you have a uh, a mycorrhizal fungi, a sheath on the outside uh, that offers less protection for pathogens, and that results in particular specialization in tree species, you know, spreading out. So it's really an unbelievable discovery confirmation of what people knew. And maybe we can figure out a way to use it. So maybe those the resorts that you went to might change the fungal mix and, and get a different diversity of plants. I don't know. Anyway, I thought it was very, very interesting. And since you were down south and I was stuck up here looking at two different kinds of trees, <laughs> three different kinds of trees, I thought I would send that to you. Hey there, gardeners. Do you really know what's in the compost and soils that you buy? You don't have to second guess with number two organics. 
Farm-made compost that's 100% finished, topsoil with up to 17% organic matter, and a fantastic premium organic potting soil that has one-third of our compost in it. You can trust number two because it's made in partnership with Malibu Compost. Ask your local retailer to contact us at number2organics.com. Hey, Dan, how did you get rid of the brown spots in your lawn? It's easy. I just got some help from the big guy. Bigfoot Root Boost is a water-in solution to brown lawns and ugly spots. Root Boost restores your lawn soil using azospirulum, a beneficial bacteria that gives your soils and plants the nitrogen they need to grow hardy and green grass. Oh, so the bacteria is the big guy? Dude, look behind you. Oh, that big guy. Bigfoot microbe products can be found across Colorado at all way to grow locations and nationwide on Amazon.com. So, Jeff, as we look, it's January, it's cold and frozen, but we are we're moving in the right direction. Pretty soon, uh, you know, folks, are. I actually had a friend of mine ask me, you know, when he could start planting. <laughs> Obviously, we're a couple of months away. Or he's he's really hurting. Right. He's he's desperate. Growing indoors, like a lot of us do with lights, we're starting to plant some stuff. And one thing you talk about a lot, and you've really made an impact on me uh, over the years, and I'm going to make a concerted effort this year. I've actually already begun. No more plastics in my starts, in my plants. I'm going to try to move away. It's kind of a thing where you either rip off the Band-Aid and you have the expense all at once, or you slowly move that way. So I'm planning on taking this huge stack of of old pots that I have to recycle them this spring. And I'm trying to move completely away from plastics. And it's hard. It's really it's hard. Very to hard. How do you plant the big stuff? You know, it's really hard. Well, they yeah. make core, they make, you know, coconut core pots. And, and I, I have a, a as you know, a easy access to burlap and jute, Oh, you know, so yes. I own a, a coffee yes. roastery. We've we get a lot of, you know, all of our coffee comes in, in jute or, or burlap bags. So I, yeah, do my best yeah. to sterilize those and I'm going to see what I I can do to create little, maybe, maybe that's how I'll, you know, make enough money to buy the jet that'll take us back to Mexico whenever we want is I'll <laughs> invent little jute planters. Ooh. Like getting them to, without like hairspray or something to make them rigid. I don't know how I'll do yeah. that. Though. Rubber cement. No, that won't work. Uh, well, it's a, it is a noble effort, and I, and and I was just in my greenhouse. I have an attached greenhouse to, to to the house we live in, and and I was looking at the pots I've got in there. I've got every kind of container you could possibly want. They're all plastic, and I I they're filled with soil, and they're you know I wet them down so I can put some seeds in it uh, in the next couple of days. You have to wet the soil first. And I'm thinking like you, why am I using these? I really should start making newspaper uh, pots for the starts. And uh, But on the other hand, I kept thinking, you know, if I, I can't throw them away, they got to be recycled. They didn't have the recycling event last year. Anchorage, by the way, I think has the record of the highest number of recycled plastic pots of any place in the world during our pot recycling really uh, day yeah really a gigantic number it's tons and tons and tons of those little plastic they add up uh, frankly but but anyway we, we we digress the point is 
you should be using less plastic in everything you do. You are apparently eating half a, half a credit card to a credit card's worth of plastic uh, every, are you ready for this, week. Right. And now it, it turns out, why are we surprised, that there is tiny, tiny, tiny little pieces of plastic in our soil, which right. really really upsets me well and the, the we eat plastic we ingest it these nanoplastics obviously look the oceans there's all kinds of reasons to yeah. try to avoid plastics the, the best we can but for our purposes it, it might be threatening our soil and in turn our health if we're eating the yeah. things coming out of that soil yeah and and you know we, we consider ourselves to be organic gardeners but whew, this puts the light of to, to that, so so the study that I'm that I'm referring to here uh, looked at uh, polystyrene, which is the stuff that you you know when you get a play, a plastic plate, uh, styrofoam cups. I'm pretty sure that's polystyrene. It's a cheap resin to make out of petroleum, and it converts into this uh, uh, non-porous, filmy stuff that we that we all drink out of and and take on picnics and all that kind of stuff. And it's it's really not good because it, it breaks down and it gets into the soil and and it's in all the soil that that we use and so we got to be very very careful about how we approach our gardening with this in mind so the first thing it of course it says to me is compost make your own soil uh, if you compost then you're really probably anyway, uh, giving yourself the maximum protection you can against plastics. Uh, you're making your own soil. Of course, the things that you're putting in your in your uh, compost pile have been exposed to soil, to soil that's been involved in plastics. That's how it grew. Uh, there may be plastics in that stuff because there's plastics in everything we eat. But let's face it, if you if you compost, and and are careful about what you put into your compost, you're going to be reducing the amount of plastic that you've got in your garden. Okay. That makes sense, doesn't it? Well, yeah, but it's not, there's so many kind of tendrils to this, right? It's good for the environment. Yeah. But if, if studies are now showing that plastics are getting into the food and then we're eating them. It, it, it's not like it biodegrades and goes anywhere. Right. So you have multiple opportunities to ingest this stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, the more you use it, the more that it sort of sloughs off. Obviously if you have a garden where you're not, we're growing right in the soil may not be that big of a problem unless you're using steaks. But right. if you're starting anything in a plastic pot, you're transferring that from the start into your garden potentially. Yeah. Yeah, now, you definitely. Yeah, plastic's not going to grow and and you know multiply, but it's still there. It's just it, it's really kind of disheartening to think that it's it's you know it's everywhere and hard to see or impossible to right. see. Right, right, right. And in the instance of soil, it actually impacts the bacteria in the right. soil. It right. must impact the fungi as well, fungi, but it right. definitely impacts the bacteria. It reduces the diversity because some bacteria can't handle these small particles. And and when you when you bacteria are teeny and they're everywhere. Uh, so if there's plastic everywhere, they're interacting with these bacteria. And and what they've discovered in 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 uh, one study I read was that it impacts, and it might have been this one, it impacts the DNA of the bacteria so it actually changes some of the bacteria well that's not a good thing 
And, and uh, you know, we've got a system that's been working for thousands and thousands of years. And all of a sudden, we've got this plastic wave. Well, well and I think one of the, the things that we had, that you had shared was that it facilitates, it helps the spread yeah. of antibiotic resistance, right? So it's kind of like a, right. um, sort of like, I don't know what the best analogy would be, like little, little um, you know, fake parts of the soil yeah. that the, the, the food web can't distinguish really, but it's kind of like filler in there that makes it less diverse and takes up space. Yeah. And ultimately until we eat it anyway. It, yeah. And, and, and we're, we're, you know, when we think about plastic, because they, even on this article, you know, they have a picture of, of what looks like salt, you know, right. those yeah. are the small plastic. No, we're no. talking about something that's incredibly invisible, uh, so small, you know, that we have no concept whatsoever that it's in there. I mean, if you saw that salt stuff, you'd know you had plastic in it, but that's not what we're talking about here. So, so for example, I've read articles about microwaving your food in a plastic container and how that releases plastic into the food. It's not visible plastic. It's it's as invisible as are the bacteria uh, because it's probably about the same size and it's disrupting the way they live. If you can imagine all of a sudden you're walking around your house and poof, gigantic pieces of popcorn end up everywhere, <laughs> you, you know, you're going to have some problems. So anyway, it's something to be thinking about. Uh, I'm going to have to really, you're shaming me. You're really oh, shaming no, me because no, no I've shame. got this old plastic, you know, and I, I just don't want to throw it out. Well, and for, for a listener out there, obviously it's like anything else. I mean, convenience is king. And maybe mm. this year, maybe this year you don't do away with all your plastic, but get rid of 25% of it, recycle yeah, it. Yeah, but... But isn't that what's wrong with the world? We we do believe convenience is king, and uh, we got to be, you know, we don't want instant coffee. We want the real thing. Down to Earth All Natural Fertilizers has been a partner of Organic Gardeners for more than 40 years. With a full range of OMRI-listed and organic-approved products featuring a wide variety of premium organic blends and a diverse selection of single-ingredient inputs, down to Earth is dedicated to using the highest quality natural ingredients available, including marine proteins, natural minerals, and biological soil additives. Down to Earth all natural fertilizers can be found nationwide in independent home and garden centers. So you should ask your retailer for Down to Earth products. Look for that compostable box or find us at downtoearthfertilizer.com. So. Jonathan, I was drinking my coffee. What kind of coffee? Steam dot, steam dot, and uh, it was delicious. And looking through my mail, and lo and behold, we get a note from a fellow named Chris. I think it's Couch. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Oh, right. And, yeah, and he he was laughing because we were. I don't know if he was laughing, but he, you know how you always say use the Google. Mm -hmm. uh, he found. A, a organization called Ecosia, E C O S I A dot org. So write this down, folks, because I'm going to tell you why. Uh, e C O S I A dot org. And it's a search engine that uses ad revenue. Are you ready for this? To plant trees in strategic areas around the world. Well, what a better thing for us to use. I can't think of anything. So I, I went to it and it, it, it tells you how to, how to set it up. 
so that when you use the Google, you <laughs> end up using Ecosia, E-C-O-S-I-A dot org. Yeah, E-C-O, it's important. It's like Ecosia, yeah. E-C-O-S-I-A. You're so and much better than I am. It's such this. a but, cool idea and such a phenomenal uh, endeavor uh, go go there and spend some time on it. And yeah, see what they're yeah. doing, and and uh, it's it's fantastic. And there's a YouTube, so I'm I'm assuming because they give us this YouTube with all these squiggly numbers and stuff. I can't put those out here, but if you go to you to Iscusia, Ecosia, how do you echo Ecosia, uh, or uh, go to Google once you put this thing in there. <laughs> yeah, so explain. go to Google and ask. Yeah, what's pronounced? And, Ecosia. There's a YouTube. Go to Google and and say and put in YouTube Ecosia, and it'll it'll bring up this YouTube, and it'll show you all how it works. It's very very cool. I like now, it. One and thing Chris, that I found, one thing yeah. that I thought was fascinating about this website, if you go there again, I think I, they have a counter going. Yes. When I, when I looked, it was like 190 million trees planted yeah. through this thing. But what was really interesting is that the northernmost tree place on their map that they had planted trees was was like looked like like Oregon. So we got to figure we got to contact these folks Ooh. figure out how to get them up here to Alaska to plant some trees, some good trees right. Up here. Right. And we need to see if they know the difference between the diversity that you get when you use the ectomycorrhizal fungi versus the Lack of diversity right. here in Alaska and other places when you use the endomycorrhizal fungi. Boy, what a nice way to cover that in. That sort of circles around, <laughs> ties the whole thing in a knot. Man, forever. you're good. It's like you've done this before. Never. Uh, real, real quick, real, real uh, small aside. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. I have been saying the Google for uh, 20 something years. My lovely wife, uh, her father, my father in law, uh, Jim Ducey. Um, that's the way he, you know, he's one of the smartest men I've ever met. He's, he's passed away now. Um, but that's what he called it. He called, called it the Google. It's what we're saying here. <laughs> so that's where that's come from for me. I've, I've always said the Google and that comes from, uh, the great Jim Ducey. So I love it. I good love way it. to sew that up. All right. Well, let's, um, we'll get on the list. We'll get our friends at Ecosia or Ecosia, uh, not only maybe on the podcast, but get them to plant some trees up here. I wouldn't mind getting them on for an interview we're going to bring back dr just so we can talk a little bit what's coming up we're going to bring back dr michael amaranthus uh you've got a a, a fellow who grows mushrooms we're going to talk yeah. about about with him about growing mushrooms i still got that dandelion lady who figured out what's wrong with dandelions when you blow on a dandelion they don't they don't move those seeds the way you think they are going to move. Uh, we've got and and nasa i keep fighting with nasa about the indoor plants cleaning air which is bunk uh you know those constant article you see every four months uh, if you use this kind of fern you can clean the air in your house we'll no. get him in here and fight it out yeah little housekeeping i uh, haven't mentioned it yet folks remember if you have questions which they're starting to pile up we haven't addressed some in a couple of weeks but we will we promise Teaming with microbes at me.com. Send us your questions. Let's get the new year kicked off right and get some uh, get some good info out there. Then, of course, wherever you listen to us, give us a rating, a thumbs up, a star, whatever you can to help the, the podcast uh, grow and grow. That would be great. And one last thing, you know, we could we could probably set up a website where we could 
we could sell teaming with micro pets. So, so I, I don't know. Do I dare ask people if they'd be interested? Uh, and if I think you just did. Well, we can cut it out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, that's a good idea. But for now you can, you can see me on camera. Nobody else can. I need to go put on a hat because I'm about to go get a haircut. Look at this. I'm losing my hair. So, uh, yeah, well, if people write to me with microbes, I t- I'll do it. Uh, write to me with microbes if Evan thinks this makes sense. And and just indicate whether you wouldn't mind a ball cap that has teaming with microbes uh, emblem on it like we have for our show. And uh, you know, what color would you like? I don't know. Uh, if we get enough people who want them, we can order them. They'll be cheap enough so that people can afford them uh, rather than spending the money to buy books, which is probably more important. We'll bring you the results next week. All right, Jonathan. Talk to you later. Hey, thanks for listening to this edition of Teaming with Microbes. Make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a thing this gardening season. Jeff and I wrote this episode with additional production and editing by Evan Phillips of Podpeak. You can find him at podpeak.com. Our music is also by Evan Phillips. Thanks, as always, to the Anchorage Daily News for hosting our show. And don't forget to catch Jeff's weekly gardening column in each Friday's edition. We'll be back next week with another edition of Teeming with Microbes. Until then, get out there, get your hands dirty, and get growing.